This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey everybody. Alright, it is Friday. We are set for another huge weekend of Rugby League. There is one game already in the books, Nick. Uh, we'll talk about what happened on the field in a second, but unfortunately... We have to start with what happened off the field first. Um, the biggest story in the sport right now is, of course, um, Latrell Mitchell being racially abused. You were at the game. Um, there's been so much fallout. I was on the radio talking about it. You were on the TV talking about it. Um, you're going to have a lot more to say about it, I would imagine, on the ABC in the next couple of days. Um, where, where are we at with this right now? Oh, well, right now we're still in sort of the 24 hours after the, the incident um, occurred. It was, it was one of those things last night... So I was in the press box during the game and the press box at the Panthers, you can't see into the tunnel. The tunnel's almost directly below you. So it was just, it was around half time when the guys were coming off the field. You could see that something was, was, was going on. But, you know, that's not unusual. Sometimes it's people, you know, maybe sometimes it's people just yelling things at the players in very rare and unfortunate circumstances. There's somebody throwing something at one of the players. That always really sucks. But nobody really knew the extent or the seriousness of, of what had happened until a little bit later when Mick Karianis, who was on the sidelines for ABC Grandstand, sort of reported it. And then we kind of all understood what was going on. And yeah, it was it made for a difficult night, I think, for for everybody, you know, and seeing how a lot of the South Sydney guys reacted. So Luttrell wasn't talking to anyone, which is totally understandable. But seeing how Jason Dimitri reacted in the press conference, how sort of angry and incredulous... He was that something like this could happen to one of his players. And I know Cody Walker, I think, spoke to Channel 9. I wasn't part of that interview, but I was a few metres away and you could see how upset he was as well that um, someone so close to him has had to deal with this or that anyone has had to deal with this. So it's a real, um, it's a real, it's just, it's just a sad, it's a sad day for the sport, you know, and it's a sad day for, for the community at large. It's 2023. Like how can, how can this sort of thing still happen like we all know better now we all know better than this and you were out there with Andrew Abdo today um what was what was said there what was the general tone of that discussion well he um he sort of commended Latrell for the 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 leadership that he'd shown in the last 24 hours in the in the aftermath from the incident he sort of promised that the NRL would come down strongly with a sanction against the perpetrator and they'd do their best to educate the perpetrator as well um on on what had happened there's a lot of Stuff flying around at the moment about um, the apparent age of the of the spectator and all that. None of that is 100% confirmed, so we won't 100% go into it. Uh, he spoke pretty well. He he didn't. He stopped short of saying a lifetime ban was on the cards, which I think is, uh, you know, I, I I think with these sorts of things you've got to hit it hard. It's it's a racism is a weed in humanity, and it needs to be removed root and stem. I don't think it can be tolerated. I don't think it can ever be. Excused, and there's a really good example in in a in an Australian sport, mm. you know, with Adam Goods of a of an Indigenous player who meant so much to that sport and so much to his community, and he got run out of his sport. Yeah, a lot of what happened in the fallout that is a blueprint on how not to handle this. Exactly, yeah, um, and I think that's something the NRL needs to observe really closely because you know I'm not a student of AFL at all, but even I know that the Adam Goods situation became started, a yeah. started with something a little bit similar like this, and they didn't get a handle on it, and the league didn't, and the league and the clubs didn't stand behind him and in the end they drove away one of their greatest oh, they're just players. booing him because he fakes for free kicks yeah it was, it was ridiculous the, it, was it was ridiculous and and and, and 
the AFL admitted culpability and they apologised to Goods after he retired. But mm. it's like, all right, well, where was this? And, and you can where was this when he? You can already it? see the parallels with Latrell. Oh, we only boo him because he's a grub or things yeah. like that. You can already see that coming a mile away. So I really hope that they nip this in the bud yeah. somehow. One, one thing that I do think is is pleasing is how the the league and and the sport have sort of rallied mm. around Latrell. I haven't seen. I've seen only one or two instances of people saying, oh, he's just got to toughen up. He's just got to yeah. get over it or whatever. And it's like, no, dude, you've got to fucking get over it. You know, you've got to get over it. I don't care. If, I don't care how he plays or anything like that. Hiding behind that is just, is, is pure cowardice. And I don't think Latrell will walk away from the sport. If you get the chance, um, if you guys get the chance to have a look at what Trent Robinson said this morning. Yeah, that was really about good. About Latrell Mitchell. He spoke really well. He spoke really well about how, it's sad that in this country that we still can't handle uh, young Indigenous men speaking their minds the way Latrell the way Latrell does. But Trent Robinson said that he didn't think this these sorts of things would drive Latrell away from the game. He said he's a strong person; he'll come back stronger for this. And I agree with that. Mm. But Latrell Mitchell shouldn't have to be strong. No. This shouldn't happen. And if he, if it keeps happening, or if it happens again, and he decides, you know what, I don't need this. I'm going to go back on the farm in Tari because I put I put myself out there with this with this stuff and if this is how I get repaid then who needs it like I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him there, if he ended there's up always sort of been sort of undertones with Latrell with this it's it's rare that it's been sort of this overt with a guy shouting a racial slur at him and in those past like if you remember when they did the ad where he was standing in the water with the Aboriginal flag over his back some people got their noses out of joint about that and that while it wasn't as overt as this situation it is the same thing that he's had to deal with before and it it, it just completely sucks. And I mean, there's no point trying to get into the minds of one of these people and why they think these things and why they are the way that they are. But it's just the idea that anyone could watch rugby league, which for them has a lot of issues, but for the most part is a great sport at being multicultural, at doing a lot to acknowledge Indigenous Australians and Indigenous involvement within the sport. It's, it's just mind-boggling that there could be anyone that com- co- consumes this product every week and still has those views. It's just ridiculous. It's pathetic. The game is rightfully very proud of its record with Indigenous players and Indigenous leaders as well. And that goes back to Arthur Beetson, who was the first, uh, man to ca- the first Indigenous man to captain his country in any sport. You know, and then it goes through to modern guys like Greg Inglis and Jonathan Thurston. And if you if you're ever around these players or and you ever see them interact with people from their community, you understand how much they mean. And they mean something to the indigenous community that is is difficult to describe yeah. unless you've seen it. I want to share a quick story with everybody. Yep. So I have a mate who works at uh, the Klontar Foundation, which is a foundation that works with uh, young Aboriginal and uh, and Torres Strait Islander boys in sort of. From, from from sort of tough situations and it helps them develop uh, discipline and life skills and, and all that sort of thing. Does a lot of work through schools and, and what have you. And through a series of circumstances, I got my hands on an Indigenous All-Stars jersey. Friend of the show, Neil Desmond, got it signed by a couple of players that, that he was looking at. I think it was Jack White and Jamal Fogarty. And so I met my friend on the hill at Penrith to give him this jersey because he was there with a bunch of the boys that he works with in the foundation. And he thanked me for the jersey and he said they're probably going to hang it up in you know one of the rec rooms or one of the of one of the um, centers that they've got somewhere, a sort of a reminder for what for what uh, for what young men can become, and he's very grateful for it, and the boys were very grateful for it. But he sort of elbowed me in the ribs because South Sydney were warming up right in front of us, and he go, oh, "You couldn't have got the big fella, could you? <laughs> you couldn't have gotten Superman to sign it." And that's what he, that's what these guys are like for this community. They they are they are like superheroes come to life, you know. So when the NRL hands down this sanction. 
to, to, to this person. They're not just speaking to Latrell and they're not just speaking to the Indigenous community. They're speaking to all these people that watch all these players every single week and who draw so much strength and inspiration from them. And that's a really special and rare thing and it's mm. something that needs to be preserved and something that needs to be prized. So I hope the NRL has that in mind yeah. when they hand down the sanctions. And to expand on that, people go, oh, a life ban's not the right move because they'll get around it or whatever else and it's not enforceable. Fine points. But you have to remember that when they hand down this sanction, it's not just for the perpetrator. It's about the message that it sends. And if they come down on this softly, we could get another Adam Good situation. And that is just the one thing we need to avoid at all costs. That's right. Uh, the, the, I think the biggest mistake the AFL made with that was not heading it off as soon as it began. And the, and the league has that opportunity now, so it must take it. Hopefully. All right, let's move on to the game. I'm already regretting wanting to do Friday podcast this year. Like, call me crazy. I'm starting to think Locke and Ilias won't play Origin this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously we had fun on the show earlier in the week um, about Lachlan and Ilias getting six M points and averaging more M points than any player in history. But yeah, uh, the hype train somehow got completely off the rails when Andrew John's writing a column that he was wrong about them letting Adam Reynolds leave, that Ilias was now third in the pecking order for Origin behind just Nathan Cleary and... Barely behind Mitchell Moses. Nico like, Hines is dead. Apparently, he, is, he yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Uh, just wild stuff. Wild, wild stuff. And uh, I thought both he and Cody Walker were really poor in this game. Um, Nick, quite often when I watch Souths, I can tell pretty much instantly whether they're going to win or lose within one or two sets, and I'm usually right. And this was one of those games where straight away I was like, "We are in huge trouble," because. South's first couple of sets, they made 30-odd metres. Penrith's first couple of sets ended with Nathan Cleary putting in attacking kicks from inside the South's 40-metre line both times. The first one nearly led to a try, and the second one did lead to a try. And I think this, I think in the end, the 16-10 scoreline flatters Souths quite a bit. It definitely flattered Souths, but I, I think it's important to remember that they went into this game ill-equipped that's to deal true. with Penrith's biggest strength. And that's not because South Sydney are a bad team. It's because they were missing... Uh, Jai Arrow and Tavita Totola. Mm. Like they're like they're probably their second and their third best middle forwards. You yep. know? So if you go if you go into a match against Penrith who just have like the like just a band of like goddamn ogres in the centre of the field and you're throwing out your fifth and sixth string forwards or even seventh string forwards. Well Shaq Mitchell played like fifty well. minutes or something silly. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like they just weren't equipped to attack Penrith in the way that they would have liked. But I I actually came away from this thinking, you know what, if Souths have both those guys, they could really challenge Penrith because even though Penrith created a lot of opportunities, mm. I thought their execution was quite poor, getting field position for them was easy. And yeah. I think that's that's what we're going to have to reckon with with Penrith this year. They're always going to be able to move the ball well up the field because they have such a great back three for yardage and their forward pack is so good and they are so adept at just like really going up that middle third and just working you. But when they get inside the 20, things haven't been great for them. Yeah, you know, well, I, I can't remember the exact they had, stat, but they, they had, had like a 80 lot of, play the balls inside the 20 last Yeah, one. yeah. And it was only a couple. They only got the couple of tries, one of which came from their own side. And one of which halfway. was complete garbage, by the way. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was a knock-on, but I, you know, that's just... I, I'm it's just, it's just what it doesn't matter. I, I'm not. I'm not blaming that for the game, right? But that was just a weird call. That that's been called a knock-on in every game of rugby. I thought it was I've a strangely watched. officiated game. To be honest, it was. With I, thought I, I, I thought both challenges were wrong as well, and it, it ended up evening out because it was like exactly the same call for both teams. But like, I don't know how those aren't 
like ruck penalties. I don't know yeah. how you can rule that Cleary and Cook are just pulling their hand out. Oh, and the ball just came out. Yeah, I don't know. I hated I those calls. It's, it's, I really hope that that doesn't become a precedent going forward. It's only round forward. two for officials as well. Yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, look, I was angry when it happened to South and then literally five minutes later at the other end of the field, the exact same call happened in reverse. I was like, I guess that evens it out, but I also don't want this to keep happening yeah. throughout but if you look, the year. If you, if you look at the three tries that, that Penrith scored, one's just a, a bust from their own side a halfway, yep. right? One is off um, South Sydney dropping a kick, yep. and only one was from a really nice backline. Good point. Now, now Penrith have gone through two matches where they've only scored two tries in each one, and they haven't scored a single try down their left hand side, which was one of their big big weapons last year. So Penrith are still very much to me a team in flux. They're still learning how mm. to play without Coruscant and Kickow. And before this, uh, before the Mitchell stuff happened last night, I'd written a, an analysis piece, and it was pretty. The theme of it pretty much was Penrith aren't back. Right, because Penrith never left. That is, yeah, you know, and Penrith don't quite have the credit of the Storm and the Roosters. Where if the Storm or the, like the Storm never lose round one, but if they did, no one would panic. No, you know what I mean. They could have five guys that they dragged off Punt Road coming off the bench for them, and they'd be fine. And if the Roosters lose round one, we're all just like, oh well, this is just what happens. This is yes. all part of their Slow process. Starters. But Penrith lost one game, and all of a sudden the, all the knives are oh, out. They've lost it. Like where, well, like what happened to the Aura? What happened to all that sort of thing? Just what's happening with Penrith is Penrith are changing. Yep. Penrith are changing and they're going to change from the destroyer of worlds to something a little bit different. So maybe maybe a team that's a little bit more deliberate, maybe a team that's a little bit more low scoring and has to take those chances when they come. And I had a chat to James Fisher-Harris after the game for a story I've got coming out in a couple of weeks. And I know that you know he's not the one throwing passes and spinning things wide or whatever, but he made the good point. He said everyone was at the World Cup. Nearly the entire team was. Most of them, they came back to preseason about three weeks before the World Club Challenge, and this is what happens. You start slow, and people don't ice chances. Like, how many tries did Penrith have disallowed? I think two? Two or three. And and Luke Garner's one was... I mean, Luttrell, what a try saver. Oh, yeah. You've got to be scoring that. But just little little things like that. So Penrith are just sort of working into what they'll become, but... Mm. I think the next time Souths play them... Not far away. It's like six weeks away. We talked about how it felt like Penrith were in total control and Mm. Souths fell off the pace. And what, Alex Johnson was, what, half a metre away? Yeah. From dotting down on that last one? You know, even though Souths didn't play anywhere near their best, Dimitri said after the game that he felt like... He used a boxing analogy. He said they didn't really lead with their chin. Mm. They kind of like lent away a little bit. And even then, yeah. they, even then, it was only six points, and it was, and they were very, very close to equalising. Well, so, so I, I wrote about this this morning. First ESPN column, by the way, um, and it it's it's almost like Penrith go looking for motivation, and it's almost like they were kind of glad in a way that they lost that game to St Helens and that they lost last week because for the first time in a couple of years, they actually had people doubting them. I mean, this is Nathan Cleary went as far as to make a video on Instagram at the end of last year with a bunch of screenshotted tweets from absolute randoms that he would have had, like, there's no way that they just appeared. Like, that he would have had to go searching for, like, the words like Penrith finished, Penrith frauds and things like that. These guys thrive on people telling them that they're done or telling them that they're, they're all writing them off. And so, through a combination of any little whisper that they got from losing to the Broncos and from losing to St. Helens, and I think Latrell was joking with the cracks in the windshield thing. I don't think he was being particularly serious, but you can I th- be sure I think he was a little. But bit. you can be sure that, regardless of his his jovial tone, that they took it very seriously. Yeah. And it reminded me a little. Bit, they remind me a little bit of the New England Patriots when Tom Brady was saying nobody believes in us, and I was like, well, Tom, everyone believes in you. <laughs> you are the most believed in team in the history of American sport. And Penrith at this point. Uh, are not at obviously not at that level of winning six Super Bowls like the Patriot Brady Patriots did, but they they have been 
as dominant over a three-year stretch as any team that I can remember. And everybody very much believes in them. So they, But they, they need that chip on their shoulder and they got a little bit of that back in this game, I thought, and played like it. And it did feel like pretty much every other South Penrith game that I've watched over the last three years, apart from the one that they won, which everyone forgot about because three weeks later they lost the grand final. It is, it is incredible the amount of teams that you see when they're celebrating a... Travis Kelsey yeah, the other week. Oh, no one said the Chiefs could win the Super Bowl. No. <laughs> what? The, no one thought the betting favourite for the entire year could win the Super Bowl. Not, not one of them, Bungers. No. no. Despised outsiders, the Chiefs. Jesus Christ. Ridiculous. But yeah, I'm um, not worried about South. It is, it's disappointing. I thought they'd lose once I saw the team list. Uh, we talked about it on Monday's show that I thought it would be too hard without Aaron Tatola. And then you factor in... Sele and uh, uh, Sele and Havili as well. On top of that, is, is two other guys actually very important to their middle rotation. Like any game that Shaq Mitchell's playing fifty minutes in, or whatever it was, is not a recipe for Z. That guy, I think, can be an NRL player in twenty-minute bursts. I think he had some nice carries last night. He did, but he was gassed by the end of the first half. He's the reason. Oh, mate, he was one of the guys that sort of fell off that there's chase. There's hardly any front rollers in the league that yeah. can stand up to that to that. Much middle. less a guy that weighed 180 kilos two years ago. Yeah, and is still yeah. And he's, he's a great story, and I'm really stoked for him, and I'm happy to see him in first grade. But with the injuries they had, Cam Murray going off for a spell as well because he was tired. That never happens. Like, mm. Penrith just... I, honestly, dude, it's almost at the point now where I feel like South's best chance of winning the comp is someone else knocking Penrith out, and then South's beat I, that team. Mate, I, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think if Good. South's are fully loaded... And because they, them, them and Penrith have had a lot of big games against each other the last few years. We've lost Souths 10 out of the last 11. Yeah, I know. But Souths <laughs> have, got that, have, got that, have got that motivation. And I think I if they so, were mate. fully loaded this so. year, it's probably the best Souths team that Penrith will have faced. That's probably true. You know? we will, we, I mean, again, I think we play them, honestly. It's like around seven. We play them again. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that yeah, kind yeah, of sucks. Well, we will be back. Everyone will be back by then, apart from nah, maybe No, but I want, it, I want it. No, I want to get it out of the way. No, but as a neutral who just wants to see good footy, I want to see it like a few weeks out from the finals with minor premiership Uh, on the line and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll pull it up real quick before we move on, but I'm fairly confident they play them twice in like the opening 10 rounds or something. So it's round... Yeah, round round eight, Thursday night at Core Stadium. Wow. 20th of April, so not not long. Well, there you go. Indeed. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't Okay, uh, if you missed last week's show, this is a new segment where one of our Patreon subscribers will be able to nominate a guy that we talk about. Uh, any guy from Rugby League history last week's was Mark Tukey and Campo this week. Sitting around and naming old Rugby League players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favourite thing to do. great thing to do. In the entire world. This week, listener was, he's given us a guy. Mm. Was has given us a guy. Was nominated Tame Tupo. That's a guy. And now now that's a guy. Now mm. that's a guy. So Tame Tupo was a winger at the Broncos in the early 2000s. He only played 25 first grade games, but he packed a lot of living into those games. Tame Tupo was a, a Kiwi and he was a giant. He was one of those real thundering, blockbusting wingers that sort of like came into vogue in about the mid 90s. But he wasn't, he wasn't like a yardage winger. He was like a strike weapon. He was there for wrecking dudes. Tame, and the, so he debuted in 2004. Made his NRL debut in round 26, scored a double in a 46-20 loss to Penrith, then played next week in the qualifying final 
and played the week after that in the semifinal. So three of his first two games were semifinals. And there's a special place in my heart for extremely inexperienced players getting a run in semifinals. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like Alwyn Simpson, who only played one game for the Broncos, which is a final in 2007 that they lost to the Storm 40-0. Or Ben murdoch Masilla, currently of the Dragons, who also made his debut in a semifinal um, against the Roosters in that Braithanasa game in 2010. Dennis Moran debuted in a semifinal in 1997. Hayes Dunster de- debuted in a semifinal back in 2021 or 2020. I don't know. COVID makes everything run together. But I always, that's always one of those little quirks of statistics that I A finals really, debut really is lovely. But just, just like low-key dudes. I remember Tamo Tupo as being that destructive force in the wing. I don't remember him being that tall. For some reason, my re- memories of him was like a bowling ball-sized man. But he was actually like very, very big. Imagine a very large bowling ball oh. and that perhaps we're onto something. It, we more. would be remiss to, to not mention that for that first year in first grade, Tame Tupo's name wasn't Tame, it was Gary. Yes, because when he turned up to the Broncos, he just told everybody his name was Gary. And then in the in the in the o four o five off season, he said, "Well, no, my actual name is I think it's Sikatame or something. You can call me Tame." Wayne Bennett just kept calling him Gary. If you tried that today, PC well, crowd wouldn't let it happen. They wouldn't. Wayne Bennett said, "You came here as Gary. You're leaving here as Gary." Mm. Tough year for the big fella in o five. Only played four or five games. Leon Bott sort of took his spot on that Broncos left wing. But then the big fella. Comes back in 06, 18 games, 13 tries, shitload of doubles. Sadly, not in that 06 Premiership team. And you know why? You want to know why? Yes. Because Politics. you know how all the Broncos fans all the time talk about Justin Hodges moving to fullback and how it was the best thing ever and how he could have been the greatest fullback who ever lived if only he played there all the time? Correct. Well, him doing that meant that somebody had to get cut because he couldn't fit everyone into that back line. So Tame Tupo, 18 games, equal top try scorer for the club for the entire season. Guess what happened, man? Got dropped. Got dropped. Got dropped. Why didn't they just put David Stagg back in the forwards? I don't, mate. I don't know. It was Wayne. He was doing all Give kinds Tame of crazy, a chance. Doing all kinds of crazy Ridiculous. stuff. So, you know, I, I know they had Justin Hodges and Carmichael Hunt and Brent Tate and Darius Boyd in the back line, and I know they had all those guys. But what about Tame? Where's his justice? Where is his parade? He probably still got I, a I ring. I ask you. I hope surely he's still got a ring. I think that he falls into that Nathan Merritt category where you should get a ring. Played enough games. Better than Nathan Merritt? Some are saying that. <laughs> you, I'm not saying it, but you are. But no, he was he was just like yeah. he was just like a classic sort of it's a, it's weird though. Like, I, at the, and I at would the love time, it if there was a highlight reel of him out at there the time as well, right? So the Bron- like the Broncos were in in still still the Broncos, the mighty Broncos in in the early to mid 2000s. So it's weird that a guy like him who was playing every week, virtually every week on the wing for a team that won the comp, couldn't find another NRL deal, and instead. Shipped off to Bradford the following year. Well, I think it's one of those ones where he came into first grade a little bit later. He only debuted at, at 22, you know, so he wasn't as if he was a rookie sensation or something like that. And that was when the Super League was really throwing a lot of money around. So I think Bradford sort of chucked up some some pounds sterling and he got a few stars in his eyes and he went off to went off to Bradford on a mid-season deal, if I'm remembering that mm. correctly. But he was a sensation when he got over there. Ten tries in his first... 12 games for the Bulls, but he also got there at the time when Bradford were kind of falling apart. Oh. You know, like people who listen, who keep track of the Super League now might not remember, but for maybe the first 10 years, Bradford were like superstars. They were, they were a really cool team. They were the sort of team that, even though we didn't see a lot of Super League over here, you heard a lot about them. They heard about the Paul brothers and Stuart Fielden and Shantane Harpy and Joe Vunganar and Stanley Jean and, and all of them. They sort of had a real... Cash Ato and I think poor old Tame got there just as things were starting to fall apart. He had two years with Bradford, 
then came back and played like half a season with West uh, before injuries got him, which means we were tantalizingly close to a wing duo, duo of Taniela Tuaki and, and Ta- Tame Tupo. Devastating. A lot of tees, a lot of size. A lot of tries. A lot of tries. Mm. That's right, baby. Wow. What a guy. Tame Tupo, we salute you. You're a guy. Absolutely. And if you would like to nominate a guy, you have to be a member of our Patreon. Let's go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. All right, Nick, we've got a full slate of NRL action to preview starting tonight with a pretty good 6 p.m. game. I mean, you know, you usually get your your Knights, Dragons, Warriors, Manly, Poo Poo Platter at 6 p.m. on a Friday. But instead... We're getting the Eels and the Sharks. This is a spicy meatball of a mm, one Friday of, one night One of last header. year's top four is going to be 0-2. I know, I know. Which one will it be? Say it right now so the people can hear. I'm tipping the Sharks. Really? Yeah. Talk me through it. Um, I think that it's better for Souths if the Sharks are not terrible. Ah. No, I, no, in all seriousness, <laughs> though, um, I think that... Backline, their backline matches up pretty well against Parramatta's. I think that the likes of Talakai and Ramian will have a little bit more joy than they did last week. I don't think that uh, Cronulla's backline can be as as profligate as it was last week. And I also think that their forwards can't get belted up as much as they did last week. Um, wait, No way Graham might weirdly help them in a way. I think that at this point in his career, he's not really doing a whole lot for them and that it will force them to give more minutes to other guys. And on top of that, it's an Oregon Confuci revenge game. Okay, so Royce Hunt is back for the Sharks, and yes. I do like that for them. I think he's become their most important running forward. But if South Sydney's undermanned forward pack, two men down, remind you, two True. men down, if they can do what they did to the Sharks last week, imagine what Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo are going to do. That you is know, true. That's that's the I, biggest. I, thing I agree I, with that, but I, I, I also don't to. think that I don't think that Parramatta supporting cast beyond those two is as good as. South Sydney's is. But it might not have to like That's it true. might not have to be because we know Brad Arthur likes playing his best guys for big minutes. Arthur true. and Paul uh, sorry, um Hopgood, Rick Campbell Gillard and Paulo all played big minutes last week. There is no reason to assume that they won't do that exact same thing again. Mm. And added a little caveat, Josh Hodgson through his Cambry is always really, really good against Cronulla. Always had a lot of joy against them. Like for some reason, some guys just play well against other teams. Like, who's a guy who was never any good but always killed South? I'm Luke sure Brooks. you have plenty. Luke Brooks always like always kills. Always Brooks kills and Moses when they were still figuring it all out would look like world beaters every time they played. Ben South. Pomeroy and David Simmons mm. always killed. Always and obviously Corey Oates as well. Oh yes, yeah. Some guys just match up well against teams for whatever reason. And Hodgson's one of those one of those dudes uh, when he matches up with the Sharks. So. I like Parramatta, and I'm actually Coltraining them. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! train Cup. Shout out Matt Coleman for that drop. Shout by the out way. Matt Coleman for that truly beautiful drop. But yeah, I I think Parramatta. I think Parramatta are, are, are good things. One of the best things of the weekend because we are recording this pretty late in the afternoon. There's a fair chance by the time you listen to this, I'll have already be proven wrong. But Right now, here in the before time, I believe it. Yeah. Um, first, first use of that drop, and you know what's funny is that I got him to make that the other day. It was to debut on this week's show, and the commentary in that drop, South posted on the Instagram yesterday. So, it's in the air. Here's another one, mate. It's mm-hmm. more than in the air. So I was up at South Sydney 
uh, yesterday, mor- no, sorry, Wednesday morning for Jason Dimitri's pre-game press conference, someone asked him if he thought the competition was more even this year, and he said that his wife is in a tipping competition where you only have to pick one team every week. So I think there is a non-zero percent chance that Mrs. Dimitriou is one a listener and two part of the Coltrane Cup. We can only hope. So Mrs. Dimitriou, if you're listening, come on the show. Absolutely, you talk welcome, us through your picks. Welcome anytime. Okay. Uh, Another spicy game tonight, Nicholas. Brisbane hosting the Cowboys at Suncorp. Both these teams are good, so it's going to be like 2015-16-ish all over again. I would love it if we got a classic Cowboys-Broncos. 17-16 in golden point. Yeah, man. Just just, And one of those games where like 10 crazy things happen in the last 10 minutes, you know? And like Reese Walsh kicks a field goal with his other leg amputated for some reason, lying on the turf next to him. And it's one of those games that feels like like more of a life experience mm. than a game of footy. I'd love it if we got something like that because I love those Broncos. Those games Cowboys used to games. be different. We haven't had man. one for a while. Yeah. Um, James Double has three hundred fifty meters. Reese Walsh kicks a field goal, but then Valentine Holmes kicks a two point field goal, and the Cowboys win by one. Well, that is the one caveat on these Broncos Cowboys games that we haven't seen yet. The two point field goal is yet to come into play. But Val, Val's, I want it to Val's be a good like, field goal kicker. I want it to be like a, a Kyle Felt desperation ping from the side. Uh, a Nathan Merritt-esque. Na- like Nathan yep. Merritt, but, you know, hepped up on goofballs. Two Nathan Merritt mentions today. We're flying. <laughs> we're absolutely flying. Who, who are you taking in this one? Taking the Cowboys. And if they win, we're going to get the DJ to play Life at the Outpost at the pub tonight. So, even though I tipped... And if the Broncos win, they can play where the Broncos. We win either way. Even though I tipped Brisbane at the start of the year to slink back to the depths whence they came... Even though I tipped them to be shot out of this solar system on an interstellar pro. That is true. I'm tipping them to win this game. But honestly, it's purely because Welsh is back and they're at home. And I, th- I think I think this will be a really razor-close game between two really good sides. But I think there's just enough in Brisbane's favour for me to take them. I'm really interested to see how Welsh yeah, gets into this exciting. team's attack. That's what I'm really excited for. I really want to see him and Ezra Mam combine. The home Especially coming. after Mam did so well last week. Mm. A game I don't think will be close will be at Allianz Stadium at 3pm on Saturday when the Sydney Roosters host the Warriors, Cambo. Well, I guess we all want to see the Roosters make a little bit of a statement, don't we? After what happened against the Dolphins last week, I know we all shrug it off as part of their process and part of what they do at the start of the year. They always lose a couple of games here and there, but I want to see, I kind of want to see something. Joseph Manu's back. The back line's about as strong as it's going to get at the minute. So, come on, like, show me something. Just to justify, justify my faith in what you're doing up there. Yeah, look, this it it would be bizarre if the Roosters started 0-2 and, and would be going into a grudge match against the us next week. I mean, they do not want to be there, slow starters or not. I don't think there's much chance of that happening. I mean, if you are the Warriors, Campo, you did win last week. What, how, how could they win this game? Well, I think they've just got to keep doing what they did last week and just improve on it a little bit. I spoke on the Monday show about how many decoys they ran and how sort of uh, how much off-ball movement there was in their attack. The stats finally came through after we recorded that episode. The Warriors had the second most decoys in the entire competition in the, in, the, in the first week. So it's a sign that there is something good with their attack. There is something that's developing there, but developing is, is the word. I just don't think that they're quite at the finished product yet. I think for the Warriors too, to win this game, they'll probably look at the middle and they'll fancy their chances a little bit. Matt Lodge is out. Victor Radley might not play. There was a bit of a question mark on Brandon Smith after he banged his head against the against the Dolphins. So you take a couple of those guys out and you've got Fanua Blake and Tohu Harris 
sort of marching up the field. And someone like Bunty of Foa, who had a really great game last week coming off the bench and ruined your life because you picked him in at Aurora Ball. Did. Like, they got a lot of muscle in the middle of the field, the Warriors, you know? Mm, and, it's true. And I'm, I'm not talking myself into it. Like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking the Roosters. But I, I, I do think the Roosters will be a little bit tested. But it's a test I would like to see them pass. Joe Manu's back for the Roosters. And crucially, I found this out today, he'll also be wearing headgear. Ooh, so it gets more powerful. Well, that's the thing. I feel like the more guys with headgear that you have on the team, the more powerful you become. Correct. So, like a lone headgearsman, a mm. little bit sad, but four of them, we got a problem. That's a lot. That's a lot of headgears. Um, the Do- the Redcliffe Dolphins, we're doing it. We're calling them Redcliffe. Um, the Redcliffe Dolphins hosting the Canberra Raiders at KO Stadium. Yeah, that's the that's the Dolphin Dome. Oh, great. What, what, do, what do we call that? SeaWorld? Yep. SeaWorld? Yeah, they're playing at SeaWorld. Nice. Great. Works for me. Um, are you going to go Owen too? I think it's possible, but I actually I like Canberra in, in this one. You know, like the Finns were great last week. We talked about it at length on Monday's show, how, how good it was to see how, how, how sort of inspiring it was to see this team come together and really Wayne Bennett it up and it was Finns up and, you know, we're Finny fanatics here. They're the team of the show and all that. They really got up for that game emotionally. And I think it could be hard for them to do that again. Yes. I know this is the first game at SeaWorld. And so they will, it will be a, an extremely emotional day. And, you know, the conditions will be on their side as well. But I think it will be hard to lift to that same level of performance again. And I also think that they won't be able to outmuscle Canberra the way they outmuscle the Roosters. Because even though Canberra are not a perfect football team and do a lot of, you know, strange and borderline crazy things it's very very rare that you see them get out muscled the only team that's true that's i've ever seen i've really seen do it. the only team i've really seen do it in the last couple of years is penrith you know and other teams have pulled camper apart like Parramatta were able to pull them apart and slice them to bits in the finals last year but it's very rare you see him get bashed unless it's by penrith the premier bashes in the competition so while I'm not expecting Canberra to play with a whole bunch of shape, I am expecting them to play with a whole lot of effort, and that might be enough against D- the Finns. Danny Levi starting again. He is. He is. Um, I, I don't know. I what's still going don't on with really Zach know what to make with him. Sorry, mate? What's going on with Wolford? I, I wish I knew. Okay. I wish I knew. But Le- So, Levi got the start last week. He, they barely had the ball in his first stint. In his second stint, he did okay. There was one passage... After Chad Townsend had kicked the field goal, where Levi took off from dummy half, caught a couple of lazy defenders, and had Jack Whiten right on his hip, and he popped the pass up, and Whiten just dropped it. If he'd held that pass, Canberra would have had the chance to maybe score or at least be in field goal position. So I would like – I guess that's the upside for Levi. He provides a sort of direct and decisive running threat that Canberra haven't had in their dummy half for a long time because Starling can run, but oftentimes he's much better – from broken play than he is from like directly picking up and scooting. So I don't know. I'm taking I'm taking Canberra in this one. Am I confident? No. But am I ever confident on the Raiders? Nor should you be. Not really. Nor Not really. Um, unless they're playing the Sharks, then you should be confident 100%. always. Or the Storm in Melbourne. That's right. Um, which brings us to the next game. Storm you, in Melbourne you, hosting. You're just, you're just avoiding. You're not. I you're picked not the, the Raiders. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Sorry. What a what a what a, what a nice what a nice I thing po- for you I apologize. To do for me. Whilst I'm drinking a vanilla coke. Outrageous. <laughs> I should I should be ashamed of myself. They're burning an effigy of you and Redcliffe right now. Yes. Oh dear. NRL oh. physio himself is no. lighting the flames. He's try- but he's using deep heat, so it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> it's an internal burn. <laughs> Trust me, the effigy's in pain. Um Melbourne are hosting the Bulldogs. Um 
I think that this should be pretty straightforward for Melbourne, right? I mean, am I missing something? It should be. It definitely should be. Like I was, I was actually. You can't put too much stock in round one, but I was really disappointed with Canterbury last week, and I was out there earlier this week, and Josh Adokar was speaking, and he said, you know, there were positives, and we've taken a lot of lessons, and and all that sort of thing. But it's like, I don't know. To me, they just didn't look. They just didn't look ready, you know. And given given the improvements in that squad, and 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 given how good a coach or how good how well Seraldo did at Penrith through the years, I, I was surprised that they looked so underprepared. You mm. know, I and I like it's hard to talk yourself into an upset, but if you were looking for something that might be upset material, Tyron Wishart's playing five eight for the Storm, so they are really really down on on troops and. Maybe if Canterbury muscle up in the middle and Burton and Kickow have a big day, then you know I guess it's possible. But you've just you've got to go the storm, haven't you? You've got to take the you've got to back the institution on this I, one. I would go as far as say it's it's one of the worst backlines I can remember in this era of Melbourne dominance. Run 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 the listeners through it. Meany, Warbrick, uh, Remus Smith, Young T. Coates, Wishart, Jerome Hughes. I well, I we didn't talk about Will Warbrick on the Storm preview or after last week, but he's someone that I think is going to be really good. We've got time to talk about him now. Well, let's let's do it then. So if if you guys don't know, Will Warbrick was a well, you do know this now because they mention it every time on the on the footy coverage. But he won a he played at the Olympics um, for New Zealand in the rugby sevens. Really, really strong athlete. He's someone the Storm have had in their system for I think two seasons now. Mainly played Queensland Cup for Sunshine Coast last year. Um. I think he was someone that was a little bit surprising that they didn't blood last year. But I think when you saw the way that he moved in the, especially in the trials, he looks like a really, really strong athlete, a big body with a good carry on him, and probably a little bit of a slower start last week. But that was his first NRL game, and he's someone I think will be one of the big improvers by the end of the year. I really liked, um, I really liked his willingness to carry the ball deep out of his own end because that's something a, w- a winger either has or they don't. It's very rare that you see them develop that skill. So I think by the end of the season, Will Warbrick will have scored 15 or 16 tries and we'll all be sitting here saying, oh. Storm, done yeah. it again. Yeah, and it, it's Diabolical. And, and I think that the, the forward packs, they, they'll just have their way. I think this, this will be a pretty straightforward game for the Storm. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. Train Cup. And whilst I think the Bulldogs will be 0-2, I won't be because I am taking <laughs> the Melbourne Storm in the Cold so Train I, Cup. So I was, I was um, at the pub watching the Finns game and I don't have the Discord on my phone because I think it's important to have limits to how often you're on the computer. But what was it like as the Finns were putting that win together and 60% of 60%. the league saw their Coltrane Cup tip go up in flames. So, for new listeners of the show, the Coltrane Cup's our weekly tipping competition. Uh, you pick one match per week, and there's a couple of other rules that you've got to pick uh, one team. Uh, so you got to pick, sorry, you've got to pick every team in the NRL at least once, and you've got to have an even number of home and away teams, blah, blah, blah. But um, the Roosters were a very, very popular pick in round one, being an away tip and also playing the Dolphins, who no one really gave much of a chance to. Um, and yeah, we had the most tips ever for any one single team in any single week last week with the Roosters, and they lost, and it was absolute carnage. But the general vibes were still very good. Like I think most people collectively, including myself, were like, "Ah, eh, I don't really care that I lost this tip because this is great." And also, the more people lose a tip, the less it matters. If you get me, because if you get in a limb and you get it wrong, and everyone else gets it right, you're screwed. But if you get it wrong, but you, the whole 
herd of sheep have got it wrong, it hurts a lot less because now 60% of the comp are starting on, on zero. So yeah, you're not too far behind. And when Matt Duggan won the won the competition in 2021, he started one and two. One and two. I believe. Old Dugab. Yeah. So I, yeah. I guess I guess as uh, as things fell apart for the for the Roosters and for 60% of the Coltrane Cup, it's like the last mine in the longest yard when they dumped the Gatorade on the warden. It's mm. a week in the hot box. Who gives a shit? Exactly. You know? There's, great there'll, movie. Be other, there'll be other Coltrane days. There can only be one day, one first day for the Finns. Correct. And also, I'm ineligible to win the prizes anyway. So, it's like, whatever. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. Should have just taken South, like I said on the show. Ah, it doesn't matter. All right. Uh, and Sunday, we're going to get hurt again, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> the West Tigers are hosting the Newcastle Knights at Leichhardt Oval. You'll be there. Yeah, I'll I, be there. I might come down. I haven't decided yet. Um, I'm going to tip them. I am too. I can't <laughs> believe we're doing this. We deserve bad things to happen to us, man. We never learn. We never learn. It's absolutely Sisyphean believing in the Tigers at this point. Except instead of the boulder, it's a giant steeden. <laughs> and it just keeps rolling back down just the pushing hill. pushing it up the Leichhardt Hill. <laughs> yep, and it just rolls back down. And yet here we are. Oh man, yeah. Like I don't know, man. Like these two teams were both so disappointing in week mm. one. It is a little bit hard to know what to expect in week two. You know, I think Sean Bloor got ruled out this afternoon for the Tigers. That's a bit of a loss for them because they are running a little bit light on second rowers at this point. I'm sort of hoping that you know Coruscant actually starts and that little bit of nice ball movement that we saw when he did come on sort of sustains itself through the entire match. But it's it's hard to talk yourself into the Tigers, but then it's hard to talk yourself into the Knights as well. So I guess I'm going the Tigers, but I'm not feeling that good about it either way. You know? It's lucky, I tell you, I love going to Leichhardt. It's one of my favourite places in the entire city of Sydney. I'd go and see two dogs fighting there. Like, I'll go to anything up there. Mm. And I had a great day there last Sunday, even though the Tigers lost. But imagine if I was a Tigers fan and I had to sort of drag myself there again and sort of hope that, you know, hope hope that hope could spring anew mm. after what happened not seven days ago. Yeah. Wouldn't be easy. Wouldn't be easy. And if you're doing it, I commend you. And the beers at the Orange Grove will be on me. Is it controversial that I actually prefer going to Leichhardt when we go there to watch New South Wales Cup? No, no, I don't think so. Because okay, when you go there for State Cup, there's heaps of room on the hill. You can it, it's really and no easy one's at the Orange Grove it. beforehand. Yeah, really easy to get a beer. The Orange Grove isn't as packed beforehand. We had one of the great days there back New, in 2019. Newtown Jets semi-final. Newtown Jets had a massive comeback against uh, the North Sydney Bears mm. in a New South Wales Cup semi-final. When the when the full time siren went, I did the old Stone Cold with the beers, and I think you pushed me over, and I you tackled me. At yeah, one point. that's right. I tackled you, and mm. we rolled into some other people. And we were very apologetic, but they loved it. They enjoyed the they horse enjoyed, play. They enjoyed the spirit of the roughhousing. They did. They might have joined in. I think they, yeah. Well, maybe they'll be there on Sunday and we can Do sort something on. out. Didn't we lose the Ashes that night? No, you, 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 always, you always get this mixed oh, okay. up. There was like three or four really big nights that we had around the same time. One was the night of the Ben Stokes thing at Headingley. Yep. One was the World Cup final that England won. And then there were like two other just miscellaneous oh, ones. Oh, okay. And you always get them. You always get them I do. I can't. I'm, I've usually got a really good memory, but it's this is just a dead spot for me. The Chuggerlug Chronicles are <laughs> literally all I have left. That's fair. Um, yeah. All right. So we're both taking the Tigers. Yeah, I'm ready to get hurt again. Whatever. So stupid. I'm so dead inside so anyway. Idiots. And the final game of the round, 
Uh, the undefeated St. George Illawarra Dragons playing the undefeated Gold Coast Titans. Somebody's O has got to go. Of course. Um, the Dragons got off to a stellar start against the bye last week. And the Gold Coast Titans, um, well, they beat the Tigers. They played okay. I would like to announce mm. a lifetime ban for all bye-related jokes. Yep. We had, them, we had them back in the day. We had them back in the day before the Titans came in. When your team was going bad, you could say things like, oh, we'll be lucky to beat the bye. <laughs> mm. And now the bye's back, but the jokes aren't back. I'm not having them. It's over. Do you remember when Vossi interviewed the Boots and All guy? That on, sorry, on Boots and All, that interviewed the guy that had, had the website, did it, the bye fan page? Boots and All was a crazy show, man. It really was. Like it re- you're, They really just re- wound up Vossi's rugby league. It was legitimately just, hey, remember this weird thing that happened? The show. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Well, as people who introduced a segment that pretty much is, hey, remember this weird player from years ago? Mm. Perhaps we shouldn't throw stones. I'm not throwing stones. I'm, I meant that as a compliment. It's a great show. Oh, boots and all. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, anyway, this game. Um, well, you need to see what the Dragons do. They were awful in the Charity Shield. Um, they weren't much better in their other trial game. Um, but that doesn't mean anything because it's a trial and trials don't matter. Uh, they'll be fresh at least. Um, it'd be weird if the Titans started 2-0, wouldn't it? Would be a little bit, but if Kieran Foran is playing, then I... I thought he was not playing. Well, it's kind of been a bit mixed all mm. week. Like, originally on the night, it was like, oh, he's out for six weeks. And then two days later, they named him. And then they said, oh, no, he's not going to play. So, I I don't know, man. This is... This is, this is you just got to keep an eye on the team list for this one. But if he is playing, I, I, I like the Titans in this one to go 2-0. You know, I I thought they were, they were just solid against... Against the Tigers, you know, if Adam Dewey uh, converts that kick and it's eighteen twelve, then who knows how things change in that last in that last sort of ten minutes or so. But I do think they will have taken a lot of confidence from it, and I think of all the sort of des- disparate uh, parts that they have for their team, they've assembled them in a way that to me seems pretty compelling and pretty effective. I would love it if AJ Brimson got a full season at fullback because I do think that's that's his spot, and you can see the things that he can do. That that try he scored off the scrum where he just busted through. And ran 50 metres to score. Like, there's not a lot of fullbacks that can do that. So just leave him there and let him do that, you know? I thought Tana Boyd was really effective and really tidy. Kieran Foran really opened things up for Dave Fafita. Sam Verrills was really handy everywhere on the rucks. And then you look at the middle and it's got Tino and Mo Waker and a couple of other guys like that. And you're like, yeah, maybe there is something there with the Titans. The one at the matchup that I'm really looking forward to is uh, the shithouse king, Aaron Shop against the golden boy, Zach Lomax, because you couldn't have two centers that are more different in style. You know, Lomax is a very sort of, on his day, can be a very classy player, like a very refined sort of center. And then Aaron Shop is just like, you know, death metal, curb stomping madness. I'm really keen to see to see that battle. There's a bit of talk earlier in the week as well that they know each other from like old Wollongong days. And there might be a little bit of beef there. Ooh. So... I think the, the, it's very rare that you get like a, a, a true one-on-one mano-mano matchup in footy these days. The only real spots that you do get it are in the middle or in the centres. Mm. And so I think we could have a could have a humdinger on our hands. Like we got Zhu Harrison in the afternoon to whet the appetite, but then we got Shop Lomax, you know, both on main event. Sounds great. Um, before we get out of here, there's, there's a couple of signing news, things that happened during the week that we should mention. They were after the... After the show we did on Monday, Patrick Carrigan's going to be a Bronco until 2028. What a glow up he's had in the last couple of years. Well, it's 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 funny. When he first came into first grade, there was it's a the lot of the power of psychology. Yeah, but there was a lot of talk about him being, you know, a, a long-term captain and a long-term player for them. But then 
he completely got over his skis and they made him captain before he'd started an NRL game. And he had those rough couple of years. But now he's he's back on track, you know. And he is someone that Brisbane are going to really build their future around. It was funny that there was the story that came out that, oh, 14 NRL clubs are interested in Pat Carrigan and then literally 24 hours later, he re-signed with Broncos until the end of the millennium. Mm. Yeah, a couple other little ones. Mike Acevo, two years, the Eels, good player. Good business. I wouldn't. He's getting to that point where I wouldn't want to see him play for anyone else. Be weird. You know? and I wouldn't like it. The David Fita sweepstakes is over, Nick. Uh, you can finally stop pretending that he's going to Canberra. <laughs> the, uh, the hordes of, of people that I have commanded to stake out Canberra Airport to welcome Dave Fita to his new home. Call it off. Guys, you can stand down. It's over. To put away, put away your misspelt hand-painted signs but, and raise the effigies. Because he's, he's spurning us. Nah, look, i got to tell you, I, I'm i a bit surprised that he is staying at the Titans because when Brisbane entered the race a few weeks ago, it kind of did seem like, oh, well, the chance is there to go to Brisbane, so he's going to go back to Brisbane. But instead, the Toons have just snagged him. Yeah, I, I'm annoyed because I want all good players to go to my team. But you who's, know, your, who's, who's your team again? Um, South Sydney? No, I've never heard of them. Okay, yeah, you no, know, but you, in you all seriousness, though... So, you never bring them I'm up. I'm actually happy because... You know, we have had this spate recently. It's it's happening with Dom Young. It happens all the time where the, the, the best players on the bad teams just go through their big contract and then they just leave and go to one of the heavyweights, be it uh, be it Brisbane or the Roosters or South or wherever, and in this case, maybe even Canberra. But, um, you know, I'm actually really glad that he's staying and I hope that he can become the Titans' best ever player. I don't know how high of a bar that is, but he, honestly, if he's three more good years, he's not that far away. I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible and... I, I, I do hope that if, that he is going to get the chance to settle with the same players around him on the same edge for a while because I really do want to see how good a player he can become because I think even with all he's done and all the tries he's scored and all the highlights he's put together, he is still just scratching the surface. Mm. Like we're, we're, We haven't even seen half of, of what he could end up doing if he really, really gets it all together. We've got to talk about the... So there's the picture of him re-signing... And then on the wall behind him, what t- t- you want to tell the people what the Titans have on the wall there? I don't remember what it said. It said, we will bring premierships to the coast. I did not read that. And it had two NRL trophies and two NRLW trophies spray painted on there. That's ambitious. Well, like a lot of people laughed at him, but it's kind of like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you, do- if you just had on there, we want to make, we want to finish seventh. You know, like we will make gotta, week two of the finals. Yeah, like you can't do that. Like that's some absolute loser shit. You've got to aim high, and you can't just have a blank wall. You have there. to, this and it's not like they're coming out saying we're going to win the comp this year. Yeah, they're just yeah. saying that we're trying to breed a culture. I you think that's fine. They, that's they fine. copped a lot of hate for it, but like, let them dream. Yeah, let them course. dream, man. If you can't dream, what are you doing? Exactly. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to give a quick thank you to the people in the top. Oh, two. you're gonna. You're actually gonna read. Oh it yeah, I want to address time. this. Um, so I didn't have the list handy when we recorded on Monday, so I said. And then I paused and then the list was supposed to be injected in with me running through it at home and then Campo would say, fine people. Um, but I forgot to add that in. So made it look foolish. I did, which was honestly the only silver lining. Made, in the, made, made the show look unprofessional. We it like did, we no. A, we made us look like we didn't have a single patron. No, it, it actually did do that. And I am very sorry to everyone who listened who was confused and especially to the people whose names I am about to say. So you'll get a personalized apology. <laughs> so I am sorry too. <laughs> Chris Avnell, Dave, Nico Hines had the greatest season in NRL history. Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, 
an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsbra, Scoresbra, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick Souths out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shanta Simo, Stoned Gossard, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Age Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Slice Podcast. A couple of new names in there. A couple of new names on there. Shouts to Pat McManus. Uh, he's my, that's, one, that's one of my cousins. That's Cousin Liam's brother. Oh, God. So a few of you might have met Cousin Liam. A few of you might have heard the RM Williams story. If you haven't, I'll explain it to you the next time I see you. But it's... Uh, it's one of the greats, and so is P. McManus. So oh. Great to have you on board, Pat. Cousin Liam on the hot seat. Cousin Pat now on the cool <laughs> throne. Oh, that's fantastic. That's made my day. I didn't know that. That's great. And then there was a couple other names in there who were previous patrons who upped their subscription. So, Yeah, thanks so much for doing that, guys. And it's again, really good if stuff. you want to be involved, patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get access to our Discord server. Uh, you can nominate a guy for What About This Guy. Uh, you get the Question Time podcast, an extra whole podcast every week now, which you're getting on top of some other bonus podcasts. Having a lot of fun on that Questions podcast too. Mate, having it's, a great it's, time. It's really good. Um, and yeah, if you don't want to do that, thank you for listening as well. That That's perfectly fine also. Uh, Nick, we're going to get out of here. Watch some rugby league tonight. I like that plan, Bungers. Mm. I do. I do. Like, it's something new and different for us, but... Maybe I'll have a beer while I watch... I'm intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Let's get President Gerald Ford involved (laughs) and have nachos. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. Say goodbye, Campo. Thanks, guys. And it's goodbye from me.